0: all right good morning everyone it's uh yeah yeah i i love informal church i love it um it doesn't seem like it's so prim and proper i'm definitely not that kind of guy so i enjoy uh informal settings uh i actually told sarah i said oh i'll probably just sit down on the front steps you know and just we'll just do our sermon that way and Sarah told me I couldn't do that, and then uh, someone decided they actually want to record the service, uh, so I said, okay, I guess I have to be up here then, so uh, so today's going to be a pretty informal day, uh, I'm sure like most other summer Sundays that we have here in Lashburn, and I think that's something special that we have here in Lashburn, I think it's something really, really neat, and uh, so I'll really appreciate that, so I'll, I'll read our call to worship here this morning, if you want to follow along in your bulletin, so the call to worship can be found. In your bolt, in there, and it is reading from Psalm 112, verse 1. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Did Pardon me? Oh, not ready yet. That's okay. All right. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. I'll uh, open our service with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for a great day today. We are so uh, blessed to be gathered here together as a church family. Uh, We're blessed to live in a a free country. And uh, what a blessing it is to be here this morning again. Uh, No masks, able to see each other's smiling faces. And uh, we're just so thankful, Father, for uh, how you've protected us over the last... uh, couple of years here, and uh, we're grateful uh, for the privileges to to be together this morning. So we just pray, God, that uh, you would be honored and glorified with what you see and you hear from us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've recruited Isaac to come and do the uh, scripture reading. So Isaac, if you want to come up here and read that, that'd be great.
1: Today's scripture reading will be found in Psalm 37, verses 1 to 7. Uh, Do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious toward wrongdoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes.
0: job, Isaac. Thank you. All right. So usually what I do is I usually like to do a very uh, exegetical sermon. Uh, I really enjoy that. I enjoy diving into the meat and the potatoes of a, of a particular passage, the who, what, where, when, whys of a passage, uh, all that sort of stuff. It's usually very fun for me. I like usually diving also into uh, either Greek or the Hebrew words and finding out their meanings and um, exploring that even further. But unfortunately, I didn't have time to do that. And, uh, and so today, uh, I want to share with you guys a little bit about um, our journey as a family over the last uh, almost two years here now, so in, I'll, I'll uh, so I'll go back to September of 2019. In September of 2019, life was normal for all of us. We'd never heard of COVID. Um, my life was normal. I was just a sales guy and uh, selling welding supplies in Lloyd Minster and everything was like I said, very very normal. Uh, work Monday to Friday. Uh, you know, sometimes have to do a little bit extra, but overall. overall Pretty normal, pretty bland. Uh, but in September of 2019, I heard about a senior sales rep that worked within our company, and uh, he had given his uh, notice of retirement. And uh, so this uh, this particular gentleman was well known as a uh, a very very good sales rep in our company. Uh, he had he he was very very good, very uh, highly uh, known in his community in Saskatoon. And uh, he had a very, very large sales territory. And so our company really needed somebody with some experience and the ability to, uh, to deal with large accounts. They needed somebody very, very good. So pulling somebody green off the street to work for, for us uh, in Saskatoon to take over that sales territory simply was not going to work. And I'd heard about it. And uh, I thought, well, I'll give it some thought. And so Sarah and I gave it some thought and some prayer and talked about it a little bit as a family, and, and we felt like this might be a good opportunity for us. So, uh, so I presented the idea to my, to my boss uh, out of Edmonton. I, I approached him with it and I said, what do you think? Do you think uh, the company would be interested in having me take on that role? And I wasn't sure what the company would say. I was, you know, you know like I said, I was well-established here and you know, they'd have to find somebody here. It's a smaller community, so maybe it wouldn't be so easy to find somebody to replace me but to uh, to my surprise, my management team uh, quite quickly accepted <laughs> my offer uh, they uh, They gave me a raise, a nice signing bonus, uh, a generous relocation package, uh, and everything just seemed to just come together lickety split very quickly. Uh, everything was great and uh, so the sales rep was going to retire in October of two thousand nineteen so I had a little over a month to get to know him a little bit better, uh, who his customers were, where his customers were relocated, uh, and all that. And so I had a a very short time in October to to meet with him, and he retired. And uh, at that point in time, I was managing both the Lloyd Minster territory and this extremely large territory in Saskatoon. So starting in October, I commuted back and forth. I didn't want to relocate, didn't want to move the kids. You know, halfway through a school year, didn't want to put the kids through that. Change hockey teams, all that, all that sort of thing. Um, it, it, was all, it was all very good. Uh, we even, as a family, t- decided to take a trip to, to Saskatoon to kind of just check it out as a family. Is this kind of a community that we want to be involved in? Where do we want to live? We're not big Saskatoon city living people. So uh, we checked out, you know, Warman and Osler and Ross and Hague, and just kind of did a bit of a tour there. And uh, we decided that we would, uh, we would visit a church on Sunday morning and just see if, see if God would speak to us that Sunday. And uh, I'll rewind just really, really briefly. When Sarah and I first got married and we were living in Vernon, we, uh, I had the opportunity to work for... I was working for Cal Tyre at that time, and Cal Tyre asked if I'd be interested in moving to Lloydminster And I had accepted that opportunity. I flew out to Lloydminster. And Sarah and I, I remember praying together in a hotel room in Lloydminster and praying that God would speak to us about whether we should come to, uh, to Lloydminster or not. We attended First Baptist Church in Lloydminster and uh, without getting into too much detail, I can say that God clearly spoke to us that that was where God wanted us to be. Sarah and I looked at each other during the service and we thought, oh my goodness, we are the only people here and that preacher is preaching to us and we are supposed to come to Lloydminster. It was obvious. So, okay, no problem. Move to Lloydminster. So now, we're here October 2019, and we're, Sarah and I are in a hotel in, in Saskatoon with the kids, and we said, well, let's pray together, and we'll just pray that God would speak to us at this church. We just, we didn't necessarily randomly pick a church, but we, we were, it was kind of, kind of just through some process of elimination, decided on a particular church, and we went there as a family. So, we went to that church, and uh, I think the message was titled, uh, maybe it wasn't, but uh, this is what what we took out of it, was waiting is worship. So that was what we took out of that, of that message, that waiting, waiting on the Lord is worship. And the message essentially talked about by waiting on the Lord, we're worshiping him. We're giving him the worship that he's due by having faith in him and his timing. So after the service, Sarah, Sarah and I are in the truck and Sarah looks over at me and she says uh, did, did God speak to you at all during the service and I quickly replied nope nope because at that time we had somebody already had committed to buying our property and the job was there the relocation package was there this was just a matter of waiting out the school year move in you know, July, and get settled in August, and get the kids in, in a school, either in Warman or Osler, and uh, away we went. So no, that waiting, waiting on the Lord was not going to happen because everything was lined up, you know, things had already gone together, and God had already put things in place. So no, God did not speak to me. Waiting his worship was not something that was something that had resonated with me. Um, Except our potential buyer did not, uh, was not able to buy our house. And uh, for very good reason. And, uh, and then it was April of 2020, and we put our house up for sale and we waited. <laughs> and of course we know what happened. Uh, COVID became a very, very real thing. And uh, you know, with the already slow economy in Lloydminster getting worse because of the pandemic, uh, our house didn't sell as we expected that it would in the spring. Well, spring turned to summer, and summer turned into fall, and still no buyer. I continued to commute back and forth to Saskatoon for work. Uh, They'd found a replacement for me in Lloydminster, so I was able to take that off my plate probably in that February, March range. I was able to take that offload that, which was a welcome reprieve for sure. Uh, But winter came of 2020 uh, and 2021. uh, It came and went, and still no sale. So now here we are, we're in the summer of 2021, and we are still waiting. (laughs) 22 months. 22 months of commuting back and forth, 22 months of waiting. Um, I was kind of thinking about the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years, and my 22 months is (laughs) nothing compared to those guys. But for me in my situation, uh, 22 months is a long time. So I've learned that the message that we heard—that waiting is worship—was <laughs> the message that God wanted me to and Sarah to hear that day. And that's a, I can tell you, that's a very difficult lesson to learn—to worship while you're waiting for something, something that you've done nothing wrong. You have you—you you did everything right. You you were wise. You prayed about it. Everything came together so quickly. Uh, Sarah and I have often said what is god up to like what is going on here everything was great we, did we misunderstand god did we were we sinful in our thoughts you know uh, i keep thinking of james uh, today the, the book of james says come now you who who say i will go to such and such a city and make a profit but rather a man should say you know if the lord wills if it's god's plan then i'll go and do that but i thought no like we we prayed about it like everything came together so smoothly it can't possibly be it I don't think that we were selfish in our decision uh, it certainly wasn't our motive to be to be selfish uh, we wanted we thought well maybe it'd be a better opportunity for the kids for you know to attend university or, or other business opportunities for the kids job opportunities for the kids uh, but uh, I don't feel like that's selfish I felt like that was wise or prudent um, so it's been a very difficult lesson. During the pandemic while churches were relatively closed or had restrictions and we of course had to had to abide by Saskatchewan public health uh, and you know limit the number of people that were in our church each Sunday uh, we uh, we decided as a family that we really enjoyed doing church as a family and we also my, my thought was that I would rather take uh, and have my family at home with us to do church at home Rather than take up five seats in this church to allow other people who wanted or needed to attend as a body to attend in the church here. Because we were totally fine as a, doing church at home as a family. So during that time, we spent a lot of time not here in church, uh, in, in this physical building, but we had church at home. During that time, we went through the book of Ruth which was a fantastic, I love I love Ruth, by the way, and I love you too, you're great. Uh, but uh, that was a great, uh, great opportunity to study the book of Ruth together as a family. And uh, the other thing that we did was we studied through a number of the Psalms. And one particular Psalm challenged me a lot. And... Uh, and that was Psalm 37, as Isaac read uh, re- Isaac read the first seven uh, verses of it. Of course, it's much longer than that, but the first seven verses truly sum up the vast majority of, of the actual psalm. And, uh, and so what I want to do is I want to go through those first seven verses uh, with you today to, to share with you some of the truths that I've learned, some of the lessons that I've learned, and am mostly still learning. Um, I'm learning how to apply those truths to my life each and every day. Uh, so, in the uh, so, I teach my children that when we study a passage, and I'll see if they're paying attention. Thank you. You did not. She didn't even know I was going to say it. Context reigns king. Anytime you study a passage, there are so many people who can take a particular passage and take it out of context to make it say what they want it to say. Okay. Uh, so context of the passage reigns king. That was Waldy Newfeld from Killarney, Manitoba, who's my Bible school professor who said that, and I have never forgotten it. And uh, it's it's a great truth. So context reigns king. But I'm going to do something different. I'm going to I'm not necessarily going to take things out of context, but I'm I'm going to share with you what the actual context of the passage is, um, and then I'm going to share with you what I learned from it. Okay, so. The Psalm 37 talks about the contrast between the righteous man and the evil doer. Uh, it presents the all too often thoughts that evil people or people who don't obey God they will prosper, while the righteous man suffers. It warns Psalm 37 warns of the temptation to become an evil doer in order to prosper. And in this particular Psalm, the prospering has to do with a. You'll notice a phrase if you if you keep reading through it. The phrase is about inheritance of the land. Okay, So the evil people, they prosper, and they get to inherit the land, and the righteous suffer, and they don't inherit the land. Uh, however, so that so that's the context of the passage. But that is not what resonated with me as we went through this psalm as a family. I know quite clearly that evildoers uh, are people that God will handle. I'm not worried about those people. God's going to handle them. They're not going to prosper. might look like they're going to prosper, but they're not really. Uh, and verse 1 actually, uh, sorry, verse 2 handles that quite quickly, uh, where it states that uh, the evildoers will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. So we've had some hot temperatures here, and your grass has faded, right? It doesn't take very long at 39 degrees with a nice wind for that grass to, to fade. And that's what happens for those evildoers. It might look like it real fast that they've got a lot of green in them, but then when the heat comes... They're faded out pretty quickly, so I know that that's true, and I'm unshakable in that thought. So my my uh, what I took out of this was not about the uh, being jealous of evildoers, but what came out of this to me was about fretting. Verse one says, "Do not fret," and so then he, the psalmist, goes on to talk about that. Uh, so in context of my particular situation of not selling the house, are we moving, what is going on? Waiting. When you're waiting, you have a tendency to fret. And I think that's an uncanny human nature. I think we're all guilty of it. Uh, I don't feel like I'm anybody special because I fret, Uh, but that was something that spoke to me. I would say that I'm in a constant daily battle to not fret. I I have a young family, I have a mortgage to pay, What's going to happen if my house doesn't sell? Is a company going to keep me on board? Am I going to lose my job? Right? All of those things, and as, as particularly as men, we're responsible. We feel a certain, uh, certainly a high level of responsibility to to take care of your family, and uh, so the fear of not being able to do that is is something that is very very real. But I've learned that by fretting, I'm trying to control my situation. By fretting, I'm not trusting in God to do things in his time. And I'll acknowledge that during the pandemic, there's been a lot of people in a lot worse situations than my family. Fully acknowledge that. So I think that the issue again of fretting was and is a common issue for most of us today. So there's four critical things that the psalmist calls us to do in order not to fret. So there are four things he says. uh, He says, number one, we are to trust in the Lord. Secondly, we are to delight ourselves in the Lord. Thirdly, we are to commit our way to the Lord. And the fourth thing is, is to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. So what I want to do is I want to go through those four things uh, as quickly as I can and, uh, and try to emphasize the lessons that I've learned and, and hopefully challenge you all today to, to, uh, to ask yourselves uh, about things that you're fretting about. And how you can handle that by following these four principles. So, trust in the Lord is the first thing that happens. It's uh, in verse 3. Verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. So, again, it's the trusting in the Lord. Don't worry about those evildoer guys. Just trust in the Lord. Keep your focus on the Lord. And so, I asked I ask myself, what does it mean? What does that mean, though? That's a, a nice... Uh, cliche church thing to say it's christianese right to say oh just trust in the lord right just trust in the lord that's very nice sounds good right it's all white fluffy clouds you know it's all good but what does it mean i mean i'm as as a man i'm a very practical person just tell me what it means just punch me in the face with it i just want to know it don't tippy toe around what does it mean and how do we do that how do we trust in the lord what does that look like practically for us and I think the answer to those questions are specific to each person. Uh, for me, it meant that I just needed to stop trying to be in control. Just stop. <laughs> and uh, and that's a very difficult thing for me. Uh, I'd like to think that in my in my role in my job, uh, I've been you know relatively successful. My my company clearly wouldn't have wanted me to take on this new territory and leave and transfer. And, put a tremendous amount of money into it if they didn't feel like I was successful in what I was doing and uh, my uh, my co-workers in Lloyd Minster can tell you unequivocally that I am a bit of a control freak I am when it comes to work I will let somebody else do the job that they're supposed to do but if it isn't done right and the customer is upset about it I will very quickly brush you aside (laughs) I will step in and I will do what needs to be done to make sure that customer is taken care of Uh, I used to have a white Ford uh, and, uh, yeah, Jamie's laughing cause Jamie knows, Jamie knows cause Jamie's been a customer and he's experienced some of the challenges of my office and, uh, my coworker, uh, uh that I worked with uh, mostly in Lloyd Minster, he would say, Brad, just get in your white chariot and go be this, go be the knight and save the day because you drive this white Ford and you'll just figure it out and you'll just take the stuff the customer needs and make sure they're taken care of. Because I'm in control, right? I'll let somebody else do the job they're supposed to do. And if they don't do it right, I can't have the customer not be taken care of. I have to go fix it. And so in this situation, for me to trust in the Lord and just stop trying to be in control is very difficult for me. It's a huge challenge for me. I, I can tell you that uh, the number of things that I did, uh, I, constantly, I constantly try to come up with ways to alleviate those, that fretting, that, those fears. Uh, I tried to get my job in Minster back tried very hard to do that. Um, I also did things like I tried to sell our home quickly by by doing a price reduction on our house. Uh, I came up with numerous proposals to my management team, uh, my company, that would allow me to stay living here and still work in Saskatoon. Sarah can tell you there was quite a few plans that I came up with, ideas that I came up with, uh, to try to make sure that that happened. And while none of those doing the, none of those things is wrong, in fact, uh, you could pretty well argue that those things were wise things to do they're not they're not wrong to do they're wise to, to try to solve your problem for sure. Um, but the reality was was that I knew I was in a tough spot and instead of trusting the Lord, I tried to control the situation and for me it's more about an attitude right that was that was my that was my attitude was to try to control the situation. And by trusting in the Lord, we're not being called to stick our heads in the sand. I think that's a, it's important to note that we're not being called to just stick our head in the sand and pretend that there isn't a problem. Trusting the Lord is about an attitude of humility. And that's, that's the, the takeaway for me, that trusting in the Lord is about an attitude of humility. So my daily challenge is to make wise decisions for me and my family while having an attitude that God is control. And I wonder, for you, what does that mean for you? What does trusting the Lord mean for you? That's what it means for me, but what does it mean for you? The second thing, delight yourself in the Lord. Verse 4, 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. How many have heard that one before? And how many have heard that one taken out of context big time? Lots, right? I, uh, we went through this as a family, and I said, Oh man, hey guys, Isaac, you love cars. If you just delight yourself in the Lord, God will give you the desires of your heart, and you desire a nice Ferrari or something like that. God's going to make sure you get it. That's what it means, right? And Isaac's like, Well, I don't think so, but it sure be nice. <laughs> you know? Um, it's certainly not what it means. Uh, and I am sure that most most mature believers will know that that's certainly not the case but again for me to delight myself in the Lord means spending quality time reading my Bible and spending quality time in prayer and I and I would I would challenge challenge you guys to delight yourself in the Lord. like for me when I do that I am so happy uh, Jamie and Jeremy are here today, and they can tell you that I like routine. And my routine was, I wake up in the morning, I read my Bible, and then when I'm driving into work, that drive into work, that's my prayer time. And I loved it. I loved being in constant communication with God. By reading my Bible, uh, that for me was focusing on me hearing directly from God. That's God's Word to us. So when I would read my Bible in the morning... I made sure to read at least one chapter every morning, and that's God speaking to me. And then I get 20 minutes to talk to God on the way to work. (laughs) But I, I I can confidently say, I think Jamie and Jeremy would both agree, that that was a lesson that we learned in our accountability group. Amazing. Shocker. If you spend time every day reading your Bible, and every day you spend some time in prayer with the Lord, you know what happens? Your marriage just miraculously gets a whole lot better. Your, your relationship with your kids is a whole lot better. Your time at work, that boss that ticks you off, the sales guy who drives you nuts, right? <laughs> right? It gets a whole lot better, right? And it's, it's amazing how that happens. And we would joke about that in our, in our accountability group when we would go there and sometimes I would say, man, I just, I, I just wasn't consistent this week. And gee, it was, I was just so frustrated at work. The kids didn't listen this week. It was just, a, oh, it drove me nuts, you know? It was, it was uncanny how often that, uh, that went hand in hand. And, and so when we do that, when we spend, for me, if I spent time reading my Bible and in prayer, my, all those other things that, that were important to me, because they, they were important to me. And then God calls us as a man to, to, to love your wife. To love your children, to treat your children well, right? To be, uh, you know, Psalm 31 talks about, uh, Proverbs 31 talks about a uh, a godly woman, but it it says that her husband will be, at the very end of Psalm 31, or Proverbs 31, rather, that her husband will be respected at the city gates. Okay? That talks about our work, our business, how we're respected in our community, right? Those are all things that I desired as as a man. Those were my desires because that's what God wanted for me. So by spending time reading my Bible, and in prayer every day the Lord gave me the desires of my heart because my desires somehow just became in line with what God desired for me, okay? So for me, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. That's what it meant for me, and I was sure happy. I was delighting every time I got to spend reading my Bible and in prayer. That was a delight. I love it. I still do it. Now i got two hours to drive into Saskatoon. i got two hours to pray. (laughs) A whole lot more prayer time. And it's great. But again, I'd ask you, what does delighting yourself in the Lord mean to you? And how does that apply to you not fretting? Thirdly, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He will do it. Verse 5. Uh, Committing our way to the Lord in the context of this particular passage, the psalmist is calling us to not be tempted to do the same things that those evildoers are doing. Uh, The challenge is to double down on your commitment to doing things God's way. But again, what does that practically look like? What does that actually mean? I want to know what that means. And, And for me, the challenge is to not lean too heavily on my knowledge. And again, this is a struggle for me because I believe that God gave us a brain for a reason. You've got a brain. Use it. Right? This isn't about, uh, you know, just, again, sticking your head in the sand and pretending the problem doesn't exist. You've got a brain, and God calls us to be wise. So you've got a brain, and you should use it. But the temptation for me is that I lean too heavily on my own ways. Right? Right? And uh, I think Psalm 2 talks about that as well, right? And, and so the, the way for me to do that is, is to act with wisdom. Uh, and, I, and, and I can tell you that I love wisdom chapters. I love Proverbs. It's, uh, Proverbs and James are probably my two favorite books of the Bible because they talk a lot about wisdom and practical living. And, and so God calls us to be wise um, and, and so it's a call to balance our faith, that wisdom with our knowledge. So committing my way to the Lord means, uh, not doing things my way, doing things God's way, but still having that wisdom and balancing that, that head, earthly knowledge with faith. So to find that, that balance between those two and, um, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that many people here know people who are very academic, people who could uh, who do very well in school. I have an older brother. And I love my older brother. He's a great guy, highly intelligent, highly academic. Uh, he was the guy in high school who got ninety-nine percent on his tests. You give him a chemistry test, you want him to. challenge him to to memorize the periodic table of elements and he'll know every single one of them he will Uh, but when it comes to life decisions that guy is dumber than a sack of hammers he is and I think he would acknowledge it but yet he's academic okay and and so there's a there's a balance between um, being smart people who have head knowledge And people who struggle to appropriately apply that knowledge to practical day-to-day decisions. So committing my way to the Lord is about finding the balance between what my head tells me to do and what God is calling me to do. And there's another thing I want to talk about here. So secondly, committing your way to the Lord is about being rooted, unwavering in our determination to act in the way that God Calls us to do. I've often given my children uh, an analogy. I, uh, as a, again as a, just as a simple-minded man, uh, I don't know the periodic table of elements. Probably only tell you like five because they're gases that I sell. Um, but uh, I like very simple things, very practical things. And so I've given my children the an analogy of a tree. So if you if you take a tree and you look at a forest. The trees that are on the outside fringe of the forest, their roots will be so much deeper than the trees on the inside of the forest. And there's a very good reason for that because the trees on the fringe have to constantly battle the wind, the storms, the elements, the heat, all that sort of stuff. They are constantly taking it first all the time. And so a tree does what a tree does. A tree says, oh my goodness, I have to put down roots. I have to just dig deep so I can handle this terrible storm that's here. And the tree that's on the inside of the forest, he's going, ha, Joey's got it. (laughs) That tree over there, Joey, he's a good guy. He's going to break that wind for me, and I don't have to put my roots down so deep. Life is grand. But what happens, of course, if a storm comes and it Joey's taken out. The fringe tree is taken out. Then what happens to the trees on the inside of that forest? They're gone lickety-split because they don't have roots. They're not rooted. And, and so um, I find that uh, in, this, in this particular way, uh, when we make our commitment and we commit our ways to the Lord, when the trials of life come, are our roots already deep? Are we prepared for that? Have we committed our way to the Lord? Have we said, no, I'm not gonna do like those evildoers, right? Like those guys that seem to prosper when they cheat, politicians that make backdoor deals, they seem to get ahead because they've because they've done that kind of stuff, right? Are we are we rooted? Are we committed in are we have we committed our way to the Lord? Have we said this is what I'm gonna do and I am gonna be rooted in it? I will not be moved, I will be unequivocal about it. And I'm not going to move from this position because I've already put down my roots. And for me, those roots go back to what we talked about earlier about delighting ourselves in the Lord. And for me, those two things were read my Bible and pray every day to make that, that's my, you want to call it a routine? I don't care, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to make that a part of my routine every day because I need to have those things in my life. I recognize my weakness as, as as a sinful human that if I don't do those things, that I am I can wander, I can make mistakes. And so I need to be rooted in that so that when a storm comes, I'm prepared to commit my way to the Lord. And so I would like to think that my years growing up and, and uh, the, the mistakes I made as a young man and, and maturing in my faith and finding ways to put down roots so that way when a storm comes and... You have 22 months of commuting back and forth to Saskatoon and things aren't what you think they're going to be. What's going on, God? I don't understand. You're not going to waver from that. You're committed. You have committed your way to the Lord. You have. You are rooted. And I'm not going to move from it. Because it sure would be easy. I've had people give me the example of Job, Hey, They said, oh, Job, your situation is just like Job. Brad, you know... All this bad stuff's happened to you now. Everything looked good. Everything was great, and I'm pretty quick to dismiss that because uh, a lot of terrible things happened to Job that have not happened to me. <laughs> so it's not even close. Uh, but I, I get the I get the analogy. But but that's what it means to me. And I've I've said it a, a few times to to in our, particularly in our elders meeting as we pray for one another. I know that God has a plan for me. I know that that plan is good and i'm not going to move from it as frustrated as i am in my personal situation right now and all my fretting that's going on i am rooted in those two things i know that god has a plan for me and my family i know that his plan is good and i'm not going to move off of that so i am co- i've committed my way to the lord lastly uh, rest in the lord and wait patiently for him uh, verse seven. So Psalm 37, verse seven. Man, this is uh, this is the one that kicks me. <laughs> this is this is the punch in the face on this one. Because as we went through this psalm as a family, I asked my kids. I said, "Kids, can we say as a family that we've trusted in the Lord? Have we done that?" My kids said, "Yeah, yeah, Dad, we have." Yeah. I said, "Okay, can we say that we've delighted ourselves in the Lord?" Have we, made it, have we made reading our Bibles and following Jesus a priority? Yeah, yeah, we have. And I said, have we, can we say that we have committed our way to the Lord? Yeah, yeah, Dad, we have. Absolutely. Can we say that we have rested in the Lord and waited patiently for Him? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Silence in my house. We can't. We, can, we can't say that. Um, we have been impatient Uh, we have not enjoyed the rest that God is offering to us. And again, it comes back to a control issue for me. I think about the rest that God is offering to us. He says it right there. He says it. He says, just do this. Do not fret. Verse one, do not fret. Jump to verse seven, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And I think about the rest that God offers to us, the reprieve. And I've I've struggled with an analogy for what true rest means. And the only the best way I can come up with it is a matashlop. So for you Mennonite folks out there, okay, so an afternoon nap, a nice Sunday afternoon nap, you've gone to church, you've had Faspa, your, your belly is full, life is good, and you take a matashlop. You've rested. You're not worried about anything that's going on. You have rested. But in this situation, this context, of course, you have rested because you're not worried about those evildoers, right? You're not worried about what's going on. You're not worried about what's going to happen to your family, Brad. You have rested. You are willing to rest and just, just rest. And I I have not, I've not, uh, Taken up God on His offer to rest, and I certainly have not waited patiently for Him. Um, I remember the uh, the analogy that I think it's I think it's Chris uh, Chris Loan who's who's used it before uh, the uh, the tightrope walker, right? Going over I think it's Niagara Falls or something like that, and he says, uh, "Do you?" He's got the wheelbarrow, right? And He says, "You think I can do this?" And of course, he goes back and forth across on the tightrope, right? He goes across this big Niagara Falls, right? And uh, do you think I can do it? Oh yeah, you got it, big guy. You got her. And then he says, "Okay, fine. Hop in." <laughs> well, who, who's gonna do that, right? And uh, and so you of course say, "Well, I'm not hopping in there. I could fall." Well, wait a minute. Didn't didn't you say I could I could do it? Didn't you? Don't have faith in me, right? So there's the difference between believing that you can do it and actually having faith. And The difference between belief and faith, of course, is action. And uh, and so. Uh, in, this, in this particular instance, if I had had faith that God would work out all things for good, we would not only get in the wheelbarrow, we would enjoy the rest that God offers to us, and we would take a matter slope in that wheelbarrow as you cross Niagara Falls. Because you're not worried about it. You're just going to lay back, put a pillow there, and enjoy the view. It's beautiful crossing Niagara Falls. I'm sure it's wonderful. I'd love to lay in a wheelbarrow with God pushing it, not any human being. But God can do it. But if I had done that, I would be able to rest in His protection. And so, uh, so that's my challenge. I, I have failed miserably in this area, uh, and it's it's uh, yeah, this is this is my, my new challenge. And and uh, and I can say that over the course of the last 22 months, I'd also say that my prayer requests have changed. Uh, I remember having people ask me, they say, Brad, how can we pray for you? And at first I said, well, if you could, if you could pray that our house would sell, that'd be great, right? And, uh, and so I've also asked that God would make it obvious which way that he would have us to go. Because should we go? Should we stay? What's going on here? My most recent prayer request is this, that I would have an increased measure of faith stay here, go to Saskatoon, I don't care. I want to have an increased measure of faith. When you're not going through any kind of trials, and life is relatively good, it's very easy to know and to give all those cliche, biblical responses. But when you are, in a sense, in that wheelbarrow, on the tightrope, what is your reaction, as opposed to a response? And so that is, that is my, my challenge. The, the, the first three things we looked at, trust trusting in the Lord, delighting in the Lord, and committing our way to the Lord are, are responses to trials that require uh, relatively very little risk. But to rest in the Lord requires an action. And that action is to do nothing. That is your action. Do nothing. And secondly, we're to called to wait patiently for him. And most of us are familiar with that passage that uh, says uh, God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And, and God's timing just never seems to line up with our timing, does it? Um, we were over at uh, Myron and Ruth's a few weeks ago and, uh, and Myron shared a, a great truth with me and, he, and I remembered it. He said, God is never late, he's rarely early, but he's always on time. And that was a nugget that I took. And I went, man, I, I need to remember that one. I need to remember it. So I'll, I'll say it again, just, just in case you're, you're wanting to hold on to a little bit of a nugget there. God is never late. He's rarely early, but he is always on time. And that is such a wonderful truth. And this last command, to rest and to wait, is by far the area that I'm struggling with the most. And I, again, I'd, I'd ask you, what are, in times of struggle, are you able enjoy the rest that God is offering to you, and are you able to wait patiently for Him? I'll, I'll wrap up here now, but uh, I'll share with you, um, I'll share with you some of my, my things that I've prayed about on my drive to Saskatoon. I won't talk for two hours about what I pray about, but uh, my prayers have been uh, that I would help that God would help me to understand His will, understand His timing. I've I've, uh, I've had some pretty loud conversations in the truck. <laughs> you know, that, that God would make it obvious to me which way we we're to go. I've told God that I'm willing to go. I'm willing to stay. I just want to know. I just want a resolution. I want some finality to it. And as I've been praying, I've realized that if God had always told us his plan, if God had always told me his purpose, then my action would be based On obedience and knowledge, but not on faith. My prayer again is that I would have an increased measure of faith in God's perfect timing. That I'd be able to enjoy the peace that comes from resting in Him. I'm trying to worship while I wait also. I'm trying to worship while I wait. And I'm sure that most of you have trials too, things that are going difficult in your life. And I hope that by looking at Psalm 37 today where we're called not to fret, I pray that you too would be able to trust in him, that you'd be able to delight yourselves in him, that you'd be able to commit your weight to him, and then culminating by having faith by action, by resting in him and waiting patiently for him. I've talked long enough. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for uh, your word to us, your scriptures that speak to us, and can challenge us and pierce our hearts, Lord, Um, I thank you for it. I thank you for the blessing that it is that we have Bibles in our hands to read whenever we want, wherever we want, and uh, it is such a blessing to have your word. And so we pray, God, that uh, you would use your word to have an impact upon our lives, that we'd be able to make the changes required uh, having read your word today.
1: So we thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen.